This is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for a talk about diabetes on Avoid the Maze. And uh, Gary Moss and I have been discussing this uh, over the last month, and we probably will continue to until we both are sort of worn out from uh, the information. But prior to going on air, I mentioned to Gary that I went out and was reading up a little bit more on type 2 diabetes, even type 1 diabetes. And we, the scientists have a basis of what is happening to create um, this disease, but they can't give anybody um, a short, quick response is, if you eat this, then you will have your diabetes under control, or if you don't eat this. Um, and so I think that's sort of what we're going to talk about today, because one of the things I was reading, Gary, is that um, diabetes uh, type 2 um, for many individuals usually comes later in their life, sometime mm -hmm. in their late 50s and 60s. Um, and so you've already been conditioned for the majority of your life to eat certain foods and like those foods, um, to, to be active to whatever degree you're, um, you've chosen to be in. And yet now you get diagnosed and the doctors basically say, well, we know if some things are really bad for you, so don't eat those. And you can sort of figure out what you can eat. And if you're overweight, well, you need to lose weight. Um, and sometimes for some of us, um, we can try to lose weight and it just doesn't come off because we have something called, um, I think it's called insulin um, resistance. resistance. Yeah. And again, nobody has a good answer on how you can get over that. Yes, there's a lot of pills out on the market right now. Um, and I don't know if any of them have proven anything. So let's go back to a little over 20 years ago when you were diagnosed. Um, they say that typically the way you get diagnosed, you have symptoms. And so my question to you is when you went to the doctor and they said, hey, Gary, guess what? You have type two diabetes. Did you go there because you weren't feeling good and you had some symptoms? Not really. Um, I live in a senior community and actually I had recently moved into this community in the year 2000. And they have all kinds of programs here. And one of the programs connected with uh, University UCI, University of California in their med school, they had a, a big Winnebago type bus that looked like a doctor's office inside. Okay. And it would come here to the community and park in a parking lot. And anyone living in the community could use the facility. And whereas at the time, let's say, um, a visit 
to my primary care doctor. I was not insured at the time. Okay. So for a full exam at a primary care doctor was like $350. Sure. And I was on a limited income. I couldn't afford that. So here was this bus and it offered the service and the same full uh, set of tests and everything was like $25. Okay. So I got in line really fast and uh, I had the full battery of tests and everything. And it was after that experience that the doctor said to me, you know, your blood sugar is kind of high. You should uh, have that looked into deeper. And they had a connection with a clinic. And I shared the story of my terrible experience at that clinic right. where a nurse gave me a wrong dose of insulin and almost killed me. But let's say there weren't any uh, defects there. Again, it was a free service, so I went. And it was beginning then that I started to use insulin and become aware of what diabetes was because I never even thought about it before that visit. One of the things that we keep talking about, it's the food you consume. In addition to the meds that they were putting me on, they sent me to a nutritionist for a class. And there were several pieces, uh, people in the class. Sure. And uh, they showed us pictures of the food triangle and, you know, eat this and eat this and avoid this and so on. And uh, I proceeded uh, with them. And it seems to me that when we know of some illness or condition, the more we focus on it, the more we have it. Right, exactly. Okay, and then they start sending you to specialists. Well, the specialist is only interested primarily in that disease. But there are a lot of these things that are sort of common factors that we know aren't necessarily good for us, but we, no one really knows 100% that it's connected to this thing that we have sure. called type 2 diabetes. One of the interesting things that I did over the years, especially in the early 2000s, I was introduced to an endocrinologist who has the reputation of being one of the best in the LA area where I live. And uh, he had several trials going on that he participated in. He actually was out there enrolling people in a whole variety of things. I never was frightened of these trials. Sure. And I was always raising my hand. And I have to say that there were a couple reasons. Number one, I hoped I got the cure. Right. Absolutely. Num number two, when you participated, you got paid. 
So I went to the doctor and wasn't paying him. I was getting paid. Right. I wasn't making a fortune, but there were several hundred dollars a month sure. for going to this. And they were tracking my condition. One of the exciting things that I got involved with at the beginning, they were trying a new drug to cure type 2 diabetes. The name of the drug is Contrave, C-O-N-T-R-A-V-E. Um, I was weaned onto the drug. Started out week one taking one pill a day in the morning. Week two, one in the morning and one at night. Week three, two in the morning, one at night. Week four, two in the morning, two at night. And what this was supposed to do, it was supposed to address my weight. Okay. I started on the drug around September the 1st. This is about five years ago. My weight at the time was 220 pounds. I'm only 5'7". So I was, I was definitely overweight. In four months time, my weight dropped to 168. Wow. I lost over 50 pounds in four months. Some people kind of gasped at that, said that's not healthy to lose that much weight all at once. I was under the doctor's care sure. and I was seeing them weekly. So I wasn't really concerned, um, but at that point they took me off the drug. I obviously didn't want to lose more weight. Right. The most expensive part for me was that none of my clothes fit. Oh. The first time in my life, I bought skinny jeans. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Now in love with my body. Yeah. But now being off the drug, the weight comes back. Sure. It doesn't come back 50 pounds in, 50 in four months, but it comes back. Right. And... All during this time, I wasn't eating any differently when I was on the drug and I was off the drug. The long and short of this particular study, the drug failed for controlling type 2 diabetes. Because even when I hit 168, I still had type 2 diabetes. Sure. Uh, however, the manufacturers of the drug switched the category. They now use it for weight loss. Well, oh, good. <laughs> Sounds like they should, really. But it's not one of those generic drugs. There's no generic equivalent. Okay. So if you're thinking, oh, I'm going to go use Contrave to lose weight, you have to have a prescription and it's very costly. I was getting it free because I was part of the study. Sure. Exactly. I couldn't have afforded that. It's like $5 a pill. Wow. And that would have been $20 a day. A day for the just money. for the pills. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there are, 
I think I was a part of four or five studies over uh, a period of five or six years, but none of them ended up controlling my diabetes. Uh, I was a, a guinea pig and we tested and we kept records and all of that. One of the things I wanna mention at this point, um, I'm a, uh, a junkie when it comes to the internet. Um, I'm bombarded on Facebook like many Everybody of our else, visitors. Right. Um, I end up inquiring about things that look curious or interesting. Right. And once you click on a list, you're added to other lists. Right. And so I get an average of two to 300 emails a day. Most of them I want to get rid of. Yeah. And even if you click on unsubscribe, junk, yeah, it doesn't yeah, go away. It doesn't, doesn't go away. You right. still get them. One of the things that I notice on Facebook, and it comes with the endorsement. Now, when I say endorsement, I haven't verified that these people are really endorsing it. Right. But a lot of big names, especially media stars. And one of the things that's been pushed are a form of gummy bears. Okay. Well, hey, if that works. Hey, hey we'll, we'll all get uh, it. Yeah. I eat gummy bears. <laughs> so I've actually ordered them and tried them. And when one didn't work per day, I tried two, and then I ate the whole bottle. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And still, there are claims that these damn things work. Well, they don't work for Gary. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, and the Go interesting ahead. part is about all these different things that we're getting bombarded with, um, usually in the very fine print, which they don't even talk about if you actually talk to a human about the product. Um, they all say that, you know, you have to watch um, your calorie intake. You have to eat the right balance. Um, you can't be a couch potato. So you have to exercise to some degree. And, you know, again, if you get this disease when you're in your fifties or sixties and you've never been athletic in any way, shape or form previously, there's less of a chance you're going to become uh, an exercise guru at an older age. And if you ate in a, um, a routine manner, and I'll go back to the way, you know, we grew up, um, you know, our parents didn't have a lot of money, but I don't Wednesday, think Wednesday was peaches. But, yeah. <laughs> but is even though that we didn't have a lot of money, we did have a variety of foods on our table every night and enough to fill us up. And there was always dessert. And like you said, sometimes it was canned peaches and uh, they were filled with tons of sugar. Um, and 
maybe we weren't gaining weight as young kids at the time, but eventually we kept eating like this as time went on. We were set up. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, and you know, we all think of food as it something that's going to comfort us. Mm -hmm. um, so as we talk about this, one of the things um, I shared with Gary before we came online, um, my husband, um, he doesn't take insulin. He take, uses other medications for his type two. And uh, in the first series on diabetes, uh, Rich was involved in the conversation. And he said, yeah, you know, I don't like it when my levels get up to 125. And uh, there's sad Gary saying, I wish my levels only got up to 125. And my husband can eat a candy bar typically, and it doesn't spike them or anything. However, it was right after that podcast, um, he started working longer hours. And I don't know if it's less sleep or the work or even what he was eating in between, but something changed and his 120 to 125 number went up to in the 150s, which for him was high. And I think we all have to understand that we all are different and what's high for one person may be somebody else's low. And I think that's probably, Gary, where you find it frustrating because the doctors aren't giving you any real guidance on how to handle this, even after 20 years. So one of the things, uh, I've been going to the same primary doctor for over 20 years. Okay. And I go in uh, twice a year, sometimes three times a year. And he does his routine things. He checks my lungs and he checks my uh, blood pressure and so on. And one of the questions he always asks me, um, he said, Gary, are your feet swollen? All right. And the answer is no. And I've heard um, some scary things about diabetics right. with amputations and things about feet. Back last April, um, all of a sudden my feet were swollen and I was quite concerned about that. And um, I saw the doctor about two weeks later at a scheduled appointment. And um, I said, before you even start to ask me anything, I want you to know and take a look my feet are swollen. And he looked very casually and he says, that's no problem. <laughs> and after, <laughs> after 20 years with that as a specific question, yeah. I was floored. I thought he would send me to the ER. <laughs> and, uh, what is the name of the condition when you have tingling in your oh limbs? diabetic nerve pain uh neuropathy 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 so in addition to swollen feet 
Um, I've had neuropathy for a long time, but I would get it and it would go away. I don't know if it was related to when my sugar was high or low sure. or whatever, but it, it came and it went and I was just used to it. Well, since my feet are swollen, I have neuropathy in both my hands and my feet. Wow. Constantly. It never goes away. Sometimes, you know how, well, I don't know if you have ringing in your ears. Yes, I do. I, I got, got it from that. our dad. <laughs> well, I have that too. But sometimes you're totally unaware of it because it's been happening for so long. Right. Or maybe in certain conditions. And other times you can't stop thinking about it. Right. And you, you know, it drowns out watching TV or right. doing whatever you're doing. Um, so I'm sometimes surprised at the answers from the doctors when you show them or you tell them something like this. And um I don't know. That just makes me more frustrated. Well, and I, and I can understand that. So one of the things I'm going to ask you, and it sounds like the doctor didn't address this, but in April, it was almost a full year that you basically, you've been sitting on your chair in your condo because of COVID. So not mm -hmm. a lot of movement, really no place to go. And even when you did go out, um, it probably was just to go out and get a prescription, get back in your car and come home. Right. Um, so now that you're more out and about, do you notice the swelling going down at all? Um, uh, not the swelling, but my general, um, my general attitude towards things is better. Um, but like all of you, it's usually not just one thing, right? It's a combination of things. And my combination is different than your combination. Right. So I appreciate how difficult it is for the diagnostician, the doctor to figure it out because there are so many variables, uh, Maybe at some point in time, uh, diagnosticians will take all these little things or they might take a drop of blood and do it like a forensic scientist sure. and it'll spit out the answer. Uh, but that doesn't exist yet. So we do what we do. Well, and I think that's a really important message. Um, you know, as we think about it, um, you know, your oldest daughter, she has an illness and when she feels good or has enough strength to, to mindfully make herself feel good, she can get a lot of things done. Mm -hmm. But when her disease um, affects her, Sometimes she can't, it can't be mind over matter, you know, matter just takes, takes hold. And I think it does that with diabetes or any disease we all have. Um, I have a immune condition called 
like in planus. And most people who get this, they get a breakout and they don't really even know how to treat the breakout, but you get a breakout and eventually goes away and it may come back and it may not. And so I'm this lucky person who has had this condition in my mouth now for 12 years to the point that um, I have to keep a piece of gum in my mouth to keep my mouth salivating uh, because as soon as it dries, it it's painful and it's not something I can ignore. Um, and so I'm finally, after all this time, we found a doctor who now is at least studying the disease um, and he's going to run some tests. But as I was told, he's studying it. You know, mm -hmm. they don't know what to do for it. Um, mm -hmm. In most days, nobody would know that I even have it. Because again, um, you know, you just try to put one step in front of the other. Somebody else could have the same thing and may find that, you know, they can't do that. And so I think the premise of this show as we talk about diabetes is about the fact that it's going to um, be different for everybody. Um, when you're sitting uh, at a meal with your family um, and somebody makes a suggestion, oh, this works for me, uh, we can't take it as, oh, well, if I do it, it's going to work for me too. Mm -hmm. um, so when you were first diagnosed, um, and you know you were living out in California at that time, and um, California, at least in your area, is supposedly so progressive. Um, did you really think that maybe you were going to be lucky with uh, medical schools out there that they were going to really find a cure or give you a concrete answer? Uh, not, I, I didn't think in those terms, but I did something really stupid back then. And I didn't even think about what I was doing. Um, one of the things that we hear related to diet is vegetables are good. Okay. Would you agree? Yeah. Vegetables <laughs> oh. and fruit are supposed to be good for you. <laughs> okay. So at this time, I was in the 200 pound, uh, 220 pound category. And I um, wasn't involved with the doctor yet, but I decided that I was gonna put myself on a liquid vegetable diet. Now that sounds reasonable, right? Yeah, a lot of people drink uh, vegetable smoothies all day long. Yeah. so. My uh, beverage of choice was V8 juice, which oh. I love. And I even got the kind that's a little bit spicy. Okay. It felt like I was drinking Bloody Marys. All hey. <laughs> well, <laughs> I not only drank it, but I was drinking an average of 64 ounces per day. Wow. And um, my stomach was fine. 
my taste buds were fine, but I never even considered how much sugar was uh -huh. in there. Yeah. And this all came about at the same time where I went to that mobile unit and right. everything. And that's why my sugar was high because maybe for a week I was drinking all this vegetable juice. juice and I don't know whether you can grind your own vegetables into juice so that you can have it without the sugar. But I think that was one of my first times that I had the awareness of how much sugar was in everything. Right. And well, that also is so frustrating because I love pasta. Yeah. Okay. And all these carbs turn directly into sugar. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so there's very little you can do uh, to cut back or right. cut out. And then if you have too many of the sugar-free items, I don't know about you, but they make you diuretic. Yes, yes. Yeah, and then the other thing is in those products, there are other additives. Many of those chemicals are not good for you. Exactly, exactly. So you're training off one for the other and um, you're sort of trapped. And then when you go to the experts or you see what uh, self-proclaiming experts are saying online, uh, it's like after you spent the money, they disappear. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's interesting you brought that up about the VA Jews. Um, so about six months ago, it was maybe a little bit longer than that. Um, it was recommended that since I don't like to eat fruit by itself, I mean, I might have a strawberry, but I won't sit down and have a dish of strawberries. Um, I like watermelon. Put, put whipped cream on it? Oh, that's really good for me. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, so I was told that you know, if you take fresh fruit and um, you liquefy it and mm. basically make a smoothie, but, you know, don't add, you know, sugar to it. Don't add cream to it. Um, you can use like green tea as your liquid base. Uh, that should be good for you. And so every morning I was making a fruit smoothie. Uh, one morning it was with strawberries. Next one it was with blueberries. And I was picking the fruits that they kept saying were high in antioxidants, which is supposed mm -hmm. to be wonderful for you. And after about a week, my husband noticed that um, I had all this quivering in my face, in my cheeks, in my chin. And he kept asking me what was wrong. And I said, there's nothing wrong. But I was feeling it, but I was trying to ignore it. So to make a long story short, I went to the doctor and um, he told me that I was intaking too many antioxidants. And so I was um, depleting my body from certain things. And with this immune disease in my mouth, it was hitting there first. And so my 
I was quivering because it needed something else. And so I said to him, but how can we talk about these things? And he goes, well, nobody told you to drink it every day. And I said, but some people do. In fact, we have a brother who makes himself vegetables and fruit smoothies every day. That's part of his diet. But as my doctor said to me, he obviously is eating other things or taking other supplements that are okay for him, which mm. might not be for you. So again, to all of our, you know, listeners out there, um, you know, you can go out on the internet and I'm going to put this in the show notes that um, just because you have increased thirst doesn't mean you're diabetic, but increased thirst can be one of the symptoms for a diabetic. Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, frequent urination. Well, if you're drinking a lot, you're going to go to the bathroom a lot, you know? And so when you look at this list, don't just automatically assume, ah, no, I have those, I must be diabetic or I must have some certain disease because you're only going to drive yourself crazy. And you brought this up before. You said the more you try to, um, not exactly sure what you said, but it was like, the more you think about what you need to do for this disease, the worse it feels. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it does. And uh, when you make these adjustments, it puts other things, it changes the balance on other things. Right. Um, related to, to diabetes, they're concerned about my kidneys. And to help my kidneys, I took myself off of certain supplements that were making my kidneys hurt. Okay. But in taking myself off of them, I now feel the arthritis in my hands and knuckles and knees. And so, you know, there's constant trade-offs. Trade-offs, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I get it. And I'm hoping that our listeners do because um, we, want, we all want to do the right thing. Um, we may not be exactly sure what the right thing is. Um, our doctors are practicing medicine. So therefore they don't always know all the right things. Um, but in your case, Gary, now that you're noticing the arthritis more, is there a way to add some of these things back into your diet at a lower rate? Um, probably. I haven't done anything proactive okay. to deal with it. I complain a lot. We all I'm, do. I'm losing friends because I'm complaining <laughs> too much. Um, but I do know I've gone back to a part-time job. It's not as many hours a week as I would like it to be. I'd like it to be more. But while I'm working, I'm experiencing less pain. And for me, you know, that distraction is really helpful. Absolutely. And it 
it does get me up out of the house, gives me a reason to go take a shower every day. That's right. Because uh, just sitting in the chair for months and months, uh, there were sometimes I'd go two, three days. I mean, I wasn't seeing anybody anyways. Right. And you don't work up a sweat just sitting in your chair. Right. So you don't even offend yourself. <laughs> 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 well, one of the things that we've talked about on a number of our different shows here at New Cleveland is that we all need a purpose and uh, getting up, you know, off the chair. What is the purpose of it? If I have nowhere to go um, this past week, um, a lot of my shows had gotten moved around and I had a lot of free time, so to speak, that I normally don't have. And I found myself walking around um, our townhouse trying to find things to do. And uh, I realized how ridiculous that was because I really had an opportunity to relax because this week is not going to be a relaxing week. But my brain didn't go there because I know that I can avoid feeling all the pain in my mouth when I'm busy, just like you said, when you're busy doing something and you know you got to get it done. Um, there's time later to feel it if you have to feel it. Right. So before we end this today, um, how do diabetes and Scrabble come together? Or do they? Uh, I don't think so. Um, at my club, um, in the past, there have been times when I've brought in snacks and treats. I don't feel compelled to do that anymore. This is something else that kind of connects with it. Uh, I'm in the senior community. There are hundreds of different clubs. And when clubs meet, they bring in snacks or treats. Right. And if you take a look at what we're dishing out to other people that probably have the same conditions that yeah. we do, we're giving them candy and cookies. <laughs> and people give themselves permission to eat those things right. if they're put out for you. They might not have a cookie jar at home or a candy ball. But at the club, it's sitting there. Right. So and whether be... it's the Scrabble Club or the uh, Bridge Club or the Pinochle Club, there are all these things. Well, I, I've cut back. Now, instead of things to eat, uh, I give away uh, scratch-off tickets uh, as a prize. So uh, anyways... But other than that, other than getting the word diabetes on your rack, there's uh, no other connection. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I'm just curious because um, for a good majority of my life, uh, you've always been a word guy. And then you got, you know, very involved in Scrabble. Um, and now your Scrabble club is back, which I think is probably a, a good thing for you and you know, all those 
that have been locked away and trying to play Scrabble online, uh, which may have been okay the first month or two, but after that, it probably got a little stale for... Well, it's interesting. There are some people that discovered online Scrabble because of the pandemic. Right. A lot of those people are not returning to club because my club plays in the evening at six o'clock. And especially if you're talking with the senior population, uh, lights are out at seven if they're staying home. So those people don't wanna get up and out. Got it. And uh, it has hurt the club to some extent, but again, there's a trade-off. There are some people who are so tired of staying at home, they're now willing to venture out to club, even though they might, might not be the best of players. They want somewhere to go out of yeah. the house. Right. And uh, I provide that opportunity on Wednesday evenings. So um, we have picked up a number of uh, people new to the club, and that's good. Well, longevity of life deals with purpose. And again, this past year, um, you know, some of us were lucky enough to, you know, to be able to continue finding those, the purpose to get up every single day and do the things we want to do. Um, and now, you know, that most of the pandemic has been lifted. Um, it's now our chance to, um, you know, do what's good for us. And if you're going to share your journey, uh, make sure that others understand that, you know, you're not condoning one thing or another. What works for you works for you. And if somebody wants to try it, they are more than, um, they're not obligated to. But I always say that you probably should check with your doctor before you do anything drastic. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So we'll see you again in about a week or so. We'll do this again. And um, I'm going to reach out to a few people who I know are also diabetic. And uh, we're going to put together a panel discussion because I think that might be helpful to our listeners. Very good. All right. You take care. Bye. Like your pink shirt. Oh, thank you.